when the world is turbulent around us, we go to the Gospels to hear Jesus. We go to the Gospels to see what he did, see how he interacted with people. We go to the Gospels to learn how to follow. Sometimes we forget. When we get our eyes off of Jesus, we forget. So I'm going to tell you a story today. We're going to talk about this story. We're going to talk a lot about verse uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. It sounds like a lot. It's a story that you know, though. You have heard it so many times. But I hope that today you'll be able to hear it with new ears. And as we dive into it a little bit, that you'll, you'll be able to identify with the people in these stories. I did. As I was working on this, I just saw things in me that kind of reflected who they were as well. And then when I saw how Jesus moved in them and through them and with them, it really reinvigorated my faith. So let me give you a little background Because every story has a start and an end, but you get context when you know kind of what was going on around the story. For those of you who have been in Veritas, that is researching the communication situation. Oh, I see heads nodding. I love it. So I'm going to give you a little communication situation information here. The societal and political and religious forces around Jerusalem at the time of this story were in uproar, in turmoil. Everything was at a boiling point. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Everything was tense, and we were moving towards something big happening. Jesus, right before this story, Jesus had been in Jerusalem, And what he said there had so enraged the Jews that they wanted to stone him. The scripture says that as they were picking up rocks, he eluded them and slipped out of town. So it's a a place of high tension. Everything's at a boiling point. And then we get to John 11. Now a man was sick. Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Let's take a pause there and look at this. We know Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We've seen them before in scripture. We know another story they were involved in, and that other story helped us see a little bit of their personalities, kind of how they were wired. That was the story of Jesus being in their home. And I wonder what it would have been like to have been the hosts of Jesus and his followers, to be the place where he came for rest in a life of traveling and teaching and people following. The home in Bethany of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we we pretty frequently see is a place that he and the guys, he and, and his disciples went 
to rest. And so these two sisters, Mary and Martha, welcomed them. And we see in that first story, Martha is the doer. She's the one who gets things done. She is on her feet making sure things are right. And I understand that. Wanting things to be right for Jesus when he comes in. But she got so involved in her doing that her focus was on the doing and her resentment grew of the sister who was not doing. And I love that Jesus so gently redirected her focus with that, Martha, Martha, you worry about so many things. But we see a little bit about Martha's personality there. She's a doer, a get-her-done kind of person. Mary, tender-hearted, devoted Mary, chose to position herself at the feet of Jesus when he was in her home, to assume the posture of a student, to listen, to learn. And so we see a little bit about who Mary is in that story as well. And it's important that we remember that because we're going to see that personality trait in each of them in this story as well. And it's going to make a difference. So keep that in mind. The thing we see in these first three verses is that Jesus' love for this family is mentioned twice. And so love is the lens that we're going to look at this story through. We're going to read the rest of this through the lens of love. And I want you to listen for the word love as we go through. These are the sisters, and their brother is sick. The illness must have been severe. They knew what had just happened in Jerusalem. They knew Jesus had had gone some miles away when he left Jerusalem. And yet they send a message to him saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Calling Jesus back to the place where a price was on his head. And the text doesn't tell us what they were thinking then. And so I don't want to put words into the sisters' mouths. But when I read this, I know how I would have responded when I sent that message Lord, the one you love is sick. Knowing this relationship that we had with Jesus, knowing that he had been in our home, that we loved him and that he loved us, I would have had a sense of expectation about what he was going to do. We had heard the stories of the miracles. Maybe they had even seen some of the miracles. Maybe they heard discussion about them when the men were in their home gathered around the table. And so the sister sent a message, Lord, the one you love is sick. I would have expected a very specific kind of response. I would have expected Jesus to come back to meet this very, very real need. He loves them. He loves you. And that's the point I want you to really take note of right now. Jesus loves you, and his love frames your story. His love framed this story, and it frames your story. 
So they sent their message, having some expectation, I believe. But what happened next? When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus knows their story. He knows what's going on. But what we see here is an awareness of a bigger story. There's another story going on as well. And that's a story that we are part of. It is the overarching story of God's love for his creation and his plan to redeem us and restore us to himself. This story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus is held inside the story, the bigger story. But they don't know that. They don't see a bigger story. The disciples don't see. Mary doesn't see. Martha doesn't see. Lazarus is sick, deathly sick. But that sickness, that thing that reveals how far from God's plan his creation now is, that sickness is going to be transformed into glory, into something that glorifies God, something that fits the bigger story of resurrection, of redemption. And Jesus is speaking from this bigger story. Things aren't what they seem to be. Their story is inside this bigger one. And he begins to move toward that bigger story in a way that's really surprising because he says next, Now, Jesus loved Mary, her sister. I'm sorry. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. I love that that it lists Martha first there. We get so judgy about Martha from that other story. So I love here that John puts Martha. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That's hard. So Jesus loved, so he stayed where he was. That's hard for us to to understand because we know the situation. We know our situation. We know our story. We know our expectation of what needs to happen. And the only way we can hold these two things together, these two statements, Jesus loved, so he stayed where he was. The only way we can live in that tension is in the context of the bigger story. It is entrusting the goodness of the God that is writing the bigger story. We read these stories, we read these gospels, to remind ourselves that there's a bigger story when all we can see is what's going on right in front of us, when what's going on around us, we have to remember there's a bigger story that Jesus is working through that bigger story. And so we can read, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. 
So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. While the situation went from bad to worse, they didn't see anything happening. And yet there's a bigger story. And then we have the equivalent, the biblical equivalent of the disciples asking Jesus, what are you thinking? Because he says, then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again? Jesus' answer seems a little a little oblique, but let's look at what he said. Aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. Thomas is another one we get a little judgy about, you know? The one who wanted to see Jesus, wanted to put his fingers into the wounds. This is the guy who's saying, let's go die with him. I love that little aside in this story. But Jesus has said, okay, it's time to go. And they say, what are you thinking? They just tried to stone you there. Jesus is answering and moving and obeying out of the bigger story. When he talks about if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. That's not unusual language for Jesus to use. John, when he was writing his letter, said that he received from Jesus, God is the light of the world. And if you walk in him, you have fellowship with him. So this language about walking in the light is not unusual from Jesus. He's walking with God. He is walking in the purposes of God. He is walking in obedience to the bigger story. And the disciples just don't see it. They don't, they don't understand. This often gives me comfort when I read about the disciples not understanding. Because there are times I don't. I don't get what's going on. I don't understand what the plan is. And then I look at this and think, okay, if these guys were with him all the time and they still got it wrong, (laughs) I am okay. It's okay. And so they move toward Bethany, obeying the bigger call, the bigger story moving toward Bethany and Lazarus and Mary and Martha and what they will find there. Let's move to verse 17. When Jesus arrived, 
he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. It's interesting that, um, that folks in Jerusalem had heard about Lazarus and the relationship, the esteem of this family was such that Jews from Jerusalem had come to Bethany to mourn with them. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. What we're going to see in this passage in the next little bit is that the sisters, Mary and Martha, each say exactly the same thing to Jesus. They say the exact same words. And yet his response to each of them is different. And I think we can, we can find encouragement in that. And I hope you'll see why in just a moment. Martha, the doer, the server, the on-her-feet, get-things-done person, hears Jesus is coming, and she is on her feet and out the door and off to meet him and comes to him, and they essentially have a theological conversation here. She opens with that unmet expectation, with her grief, with her disappointment, If only you had been here. This is one of the places that I see myself in the people in Scripture. Coming to Jesus with, if only you, in pain and unmet expectation and grief and sorrow and disappointment, all we can say sometimes is, if only you. If only you had been here. But Jesus' response to her, Jesus, God incarnate, the word made flesh, the one who created all things, who holds all things together, responded to Martha in his divinity. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. I love that we see that authority and power and that glimpse of God's divinity in his response to her. And he gives her an opportunity to say, Lord, I believe. In the midst of her despair, in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her disappointment, she can stake a claim of faith and say, Lord, I believe. Maybe you can be Martha 
Maybe you have been Martha. Maybe this is your invitation to be Martha. In the midst of what you might not understand and what you didn't expect, to stand and stake a claim of faith and say, yes, Lord, I believe. Martha reminds us that faith sees beyond the moment when she says, I know God will give you whatever you ask, and I know he'll be resurrected in the end day. She's responding to to the teaching of the day, what she knew. And she shows us that faith sees beyond this moment to declare, I believe. And let's see what happens with Martha. Having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same words, same despair, same unmet expectation. And rather than standing in front of Jesus and having a conversation about it, Mary fell at his feet. And we see a little bit of of who they are in this. Mary, the devoted, the tender-hearted one, crying, fell at his feet. When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews had come with her crying, He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? Lord, they told him, come and see. And Jesus wept. Where we see Jesus responding to Martha from the power of his divinity, we see him respond to Mary in the human ache of his humanity. And he wept. Mary brought to him all that she held, all that was inside her, and it wasn't pretty, and it couldn't, it couldn't bear to even stand. She fell to his feet and wept, and he wept with her. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. There's that word again. See how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? We get a choice here as we watch these folks to identify with with one group or the other as they respond to what they see Jesus doing in somebody else's life. And one group responded with how he loves him. And the other said, well, couldn't he have done something about it? Which group are you in with your friends, in your family, in your church? 
Where do you stand as a friend? Which group do you represent? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there's already a stench because he's been dead four days. Martha, the practical one, right? Lord, there's a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? What a reminder. Didn't I tell you if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I said this, so that they may believe you sent me. After this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. So they get to the dead place. They get to the tomb of Lazarus, covered by a stone, and he said, move it. They had, they had to take a step here. Do we say, okay, move it to the men around? Do we believe? Do we take that step to roll that stone away, knowing what we should find in there? And so Mary and Martha remind us here that there is sometimes a step of faith that we take in the face of what looks indescribable, what looks unexpected. But in the midst of making that decision, Jesus reminds Martha, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So we've been moving in this story in, in the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, we've been moving to this place of resurrection. And we see how the sisters responded in it and how Jesus responded to them in it. He called new life out of the tomb by name. He said, Lazarus, come out. He called new life out by name. Jesus knows your name and he calls you out of dead places. He calls you to new life in him. You are part of your story, but you are part of this bigger story of resurrection and redemption. And when the world is tumultuous around you, when you don't see what you thought you would see, we are reminded to take a stand and say, Lord, I believe. The resurrection in that moment may not be of the circumstances, of the situation. The resurrection will be in you.
new life in you, new life that calls you out of attitudes and behavior and actions that represent dead places. You are called to new life. And the glory of God that we see reflected in that is faith and hope and love and kindness and forgiveness. And other people will see that glory reflected in your life when you stake that claim of faith despite what you see and say, yes, Lord, I believe. And so I invite you this morning to stand and state what you believe. We're going to put the Apostles' Creed on the screen. And this is an opportunity to say boldly, despite what your circumstances are, despite what you see around you, yes, Lord, I believe. And so would you stand with me as we declare what we believe? And if this is the first time you are saying, I believe, then this is Resurrection Day for you. And I am so glad you're here. And if this is a reminder, if your eyes have gotten off of Jesus, if this is a reminder to stand and make this claim, if this is a reminder, like Mary, to bring all of who you are, in whatever shape that is in, to his feet, he loves you. And so let's say, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. That's the bigger story. That's the bigger story that we are part of. And as we, as we read this passage in John 11, the thing that comes next in the gospel according to John is a passage that tells us This resurrection of Lazarus sent the Jews over the edge. This is when they start to plot Jesus' death. This is when they start to conspire because he's walking in obedience to that bigger story. He is walking through this resurrection to the cross, to a new resurrection for all of us. And so today we remember that as well. Let me ask you, did everybody get uh, a packet? Or if you need a communion packet, would you just lift your hand and we'll get one to you? This is where we remember. We remember what we declared in our faith.
we remember that we are part of the big story. And that is a story of new life, eternal life. And so if you would take your packets in hand, might be a little tricky. There's a, a top cellophane piece that you peel up to get to the bread. And then you peel the, the top off of the juice. And this is not ideal, but it doesn't have to be. Because it's what we're, what we're saying, what we're declaring, what we're remembering here as we come to the Lord's table. And if you are one of those who have said, I believe, then you are welcome at the table, whether you attend here or not. In your homes, you are welcome at the table as we come for Lord's Supper. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you receive the bread? In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you take the cup? For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Live in resurrection life. Stake your claim of faith. Bring all of who you are and walk in new life. Praise the Lord. Man, I just was so blessed to receive that teaching today because I've got some stories right now that are big to me but not as big as his story. And we're in working in concert with him. Thank you, Pastor Deborah, for a wonderful, wonderful sermon. Would you, if you're here with us, would you stand? And I want to just uh, speak a blessing over you before we depart. If you're watching online, you're under this blessing because the Lord told, the Lord told his spiritual leadership in Deuteronomy 6, when you bless the people, say these words. And so when we say these words, it means you leave under the blessing of the Lord. And I know this, that you're going to have a great week in him because the story you're living out and the story that you're concerned about is just part of something bigger. It's something greater. There's something that's happening that uh, we can't fully see yet, but with eyes of faith, we believe. We, we believe it and we know we're going to receive it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and as we have come to your table and proclaim Christ's death and resurrection and his return again, we are people of faith. We are people that are about Jesus and his ways. And so I thank you, God, that, Lord, we have received your message this day, and now we choose to walk in the message that you have for us. Would you receive this blessing? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace through Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. I love you. Jesus loves you.